Sport on on SAFM. Okay, let's get straight into it. And the doctor joins us on the line. Good evening, Doc, and thanks again for being available to speak to us on SAFM. No, thank you very much for having me and good evening to your listeners. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Doc. Would you say the postponement uh, caught you by surprise or did you see it coming? No, I don't think it caught us by surprise. I think uh, it was an option that we had considered um, in, a, in a way that, that we were negotiating with Australia around it and, and the risk that, oper- that Australia was willing to, to, to tolerate. So, so it, it, I mean, it was disappointing and it was, in a sense, it was... Um, it, it was a surprise in a sense, but wasn't in another sense, yeah, if mm-hmm. I can put it that way. And, 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 and Doc, how long had talks been going for, preparations been going for with your counterparts in Australia? We've probably been in direct contact uh, on a regular basis with intense discussion for probably about two months. So immediately after the England tour, uh, while we were negotiating with Sri Lanka, we were also talking to Australia. And what did you make of the reasons that they gave, uh, they, that they put in that statement, the new, the second wave and the new variant of, the, of COVID? Yeah, I think it's got to be viewed against the risks that Australia is tolerating. I mean, if you consider uh, the Australian Open and the way they've dealt with that tournament and the players coming in, uh, or the way they've dealt with the domestic competition, or even the way they've dealt with their tour to England. Uh, you know, England, I mean, Australia is working on, on a zero tolerance policy. Um, so, so they kind of, if, if there's one case, for example, like one case in, in Perth and it closed down the city for five days, there was one case in Melbourne, in, in, in Brisbane and it closed down the city for three days. So, so Australia's got a very uh, kind of, you know, draconian regime in terms of, of managing COVID. And, and rightly or wrongly, that's the way they're dealing with it. So, so, you know, I guess there's some things that were beyond our control. I mean, we couldn't control a second wave in South Africa. We couldn't control the new variant that we've got, you know, prevalent in South Africa at the moment in over 95% of cases. We couldn't control that. We can't control the fact that they have to hard quarantine when they go back to Australia from here or that, you know, in a rare event that a player tests positive on their side it would be difficult to repatriate him back to Australia. Those, those elements were well beyond our control. What was control, controllable as far as we are concerned, we did everything possible to ensure that there was a, there was a kind of a very, I mean, a fail-safe, uh, biosafe environment for Australia coming to South Africa. <laughs> And we actually did see in the in the ahead of the Australian Open that there was one case yesterday, and almost 600 people had to go into self isolation because of that one case. And some of the warm up matches in Melbourne had to be cancelled today. On that note of a, of a South African variant or a new variant, do we have that new variant in South Africa, Doc? Um, yes, I mean, 95% of cases in South Africa currently are the new variant, mm. and we know that the new variant is. Uh, is more transmissible. We know that the new variant uh, probably is 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 kind of resistant to antibodies, previous antibodies. So, mm-hmm. so if you get if you've had COVID nineteen before, you don't necessarily have protection against the new variant. So, so clearly there's concerns about the new variant, and I think I think we respect the concerns of the Australians. But I think from our point of view, we did everything humanly possible to ensure a safe environment for them when they do come to South Africa. So Australia was, for example, going into quarantine when they were in Australia. Mm. They were coming on a chartered flight. Uh, we had made, uh, you know, uh, kind of provisions at the at the airport that they would have a private terminal um, and, and, and protected. They would get into a biosafe environment, bus, get into a biosafe environment in Irene Country Lodge in Pretoria, where they would have sole use of the facility. 
uh, when they go to a training stadium, you know, it's, it's a completely biosafe environment as well, and for games as well. So, so virtually every single you know uh, link in the chain uh, was was taken care of us by us in terms of creating a biosafe environment for Australia. So, so the Proteas were willing to give up their base in Irene. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they really enjoyed it and they, they, they had good things to say about it when Sri Lanka was here. No, absolutely. It's a phenomenal facility, particularly if you're in lockdown. And, you know, as you know, uh, you know, players in lockdown, it takes a huge mental strain in being there. But, I mean, the advantage of the Irene, you know, country lodge was that it's a huge estate which gives people kind of lots of outdoor space. And, and as a final throw of the dice, we, we finally gave them, we relinquished complete control of the Irene Country Lodge to Australia. So, so while we shared that venue with Sri Lanka, we gave complete control to Australia for that. So, so virtually a place that could accommodate 100 people, they would have had about 40, 50 people there. And talking about Sri Lanka, I mean, there were no issues when the Sri Lankans were here. Surely then that should have been an indication, Doc, that uh, Cricket South Africa would be well prepared for the visit of the Aussies. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, Aust- I mean, I mean, there were, there were minor issues when Sri Lanka was here, but nothing major. There were more issues around perception than actual reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, to us, the biosafe environment was, was contained and maintained in, in all senses of the word. Uh, and, and clearly the Australians did speak to England and did speak to Sri Lanka. And, and we've got very good feedback from Sri Lanka, for example, and, and from, from elements within England in terms of how we dealt with matters. Uh, so the Australians did speak with them, but but as I said, they came back to a, a zero risk approach, which was very difficult to kind of overcome and convince them otherwise. Yeah. Um, the last time England was here, there were cases with the hotel staff. What lessons had you taken or learned from that situation that you were ready to implement when the Aussies were were coming here? Yeah. So in all likelihood, when the when the hotel staff during the England tour tested positive, we think it came in from the outside. So so you know while it manifested much later. It did come in from, from the outside when the staff checked in. So one of the kind of really draconian measures we did take, or, or we did promise for Australia, was that the staff will be in strict isolation or strict, strict quarantine for at least 14 days before Australia even arrives, which means that the, the hotel staff would be confined to the hotel rooms. They would eat their meals in the hotel rooms. They wouldn't be interacting with each other. So for more than 14 days, these staff would be completely isolated. And we, w- we hope that within that, I mean, we, you know that, you know, the, the, the incubation period of the virus is two to seven days. But here we've kind of, kind of completely quarantined them for 14 days, which is double the, the normal time, you know, the, the upper level of normal of, of, uh, of the incubation period. So hopefully in that 14 days, we had hoped that if there was a positive case that would come into the environment, we would have flushed it out by 14 days by the time the Australians had arrived. Uh, and the bus drivers. So even the bus drivers would be in oh. for 14 days. And and the fact that, you know, we, we had additional standby staff. So, for example, there was an additional bus driver that also was on standby in, in you know, in the biosafe environment. So those are some of the measures we did take in order to kind of give them the assurance of a safe environment. Yeah, there's a question here on social media that says that's asking what is that uh, z- zero risk um, uh, that they wanted Australia? So basically, they wouldn't tolerate a single COVID case in their biosafe environment. Okay, we've got another voice note. Let, um, let's take a voice note for the doc. Tabisa, good evening. It's Libra here. I think Australia are being selfish. I understand, you know, uh, their their fears about COVID-19. But look around the world. Look at England. They taught India. And India, uh, they're far more 
in terms of cases than us but they toured India, you know. Um, I think it's about the big three. You know, we know that in England, Australia and India are always going to dominate cricket. Even um, former England captain Michael Vornick said that, you know, uh, the big three need to support uh, the lesser nations. It's simple as that, uh, Tabiso. It's showing their dominance. Former players, even Kevin Peterson, slammed Australia for their decision. Nations need to support each other during this difficult time. I know the doctor is not going to uh, speak on that, but it's simple. It's about the big three again dominating. Because if, if Australia had to tour England, they would would have toured England. Thank you very much, Tabiso. Frustrated. Okay, very frustrated, Libra. There is always calm. I've never heard him like that, Libra. Doc, do you think the Aussies have overreacted here, like some seem to suggest? Look, I I mean I don't want to comment on whether they've overreacted. Uh, you know, I mean what I would what I will say is that, that after England had led South Africa I mean, the approach to the Sri Lankan tour was very, very different to the approach to the South African tour. That England had approached, I mean, England had realized that that the kind of vacuum, vacuumed environment they had created in England was, was unsustainable. And if they were going to tour overseas, you know, the risk of a positive case was always there. It's how you manage it responsibly. Uh, and and that's, that's what they did when they went to Sri Lanka. We know that Muin Ali tested positive. Other players with close context and they dealt with it very, very differently to what they expected in South Africa. So I would imagine that, look, Australia will come to that point, but I think they haven't, they're not close to that point yet where they begin to accept an, an international reality that COVID is here for us to stay. I mean, you look at the Premier League in, in England, for example, and other leagues around the world, they've got positive cases. They manage those cases, they manage the close context, but the league moves on. You know, that's the way the new world is moving. You know, Australia still thinks they can they can live in, in that in an island, which they've done. I think they've done very successfully, actually, as has New Zealand. So you've got to respect them in terms of the way they're dealing with COVID-19. But but I think that there's going to be some kind of shift uh, that Australia will have to make in the, in, the, in the near future if they're going to play in the World Cup and tour internationally. Yeah, and finally, how disappointing is this decision then, Doc, considering the work and the preparations that have been done? Yeah, look, I think Graham Smith's already kind of voiced how frustrated we are and how disappointed we are after the enormous amount of effort, you know, we, both of us and, and our teams have put in in order to ensure that we create a, a biosafe environment for England. So there's enormous amounts of work gone into this. There were lots of expectations uh, from the public and from the broadcaster and from Cricket South Africa and the you know, cricket-loving people of this country. And, and clearly, we, we all, I mean, you know, hugely disappointed by, by, by Australia's withdrawal. Okay, Doc, thanks for the insight. Thanks for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. We want to ask the doc about the cricketing issues. We just wanted from a medical perspective, his point of view. And um, there is a small metal Libra. I'm sure you should know about this of the World Test Championship final. The Aussies don't have to play the Proteas to make that World Test Championship final because they need to wait and see what happens in that series between England and uh, India. New Zealand are already in the final, so there's one spot up for grabs between India, England and Australia. And basically, Australia if I remember correctly, will uh, make the final. If England win that series 1-0, 2-0 or 2-1, they will make the Test Championship final. If India win 1-0, they also have a chance of making that World Championship Test final if the series ends in a draw in India. So there are four tests in India and that's what Australia basically needs to make the final. So I'm sure they realize that, mate.
We don't have much to play for here in South Africa. Why should we come here, mate? So, yeah, let's see what happens then in that series between England and uh, India. And we will face New Zealand in the World Test Championship final. I think that is uh, more believable than some of the reasons that we've given. But having said that, we are living in the world of COVID. We are living in a in the time of this uh, of this pandemic. So if people are worried about their health issues, I mean, you can't dismiss those. But it seems like there's just much more to it than um, what they are telling us at the moment.